Part of the problem we're seeing with this renewable transition is that we're seeing grid systems pushed by regulators and ultimately by politicians and activists into moving our energy economy towards completely unproven energy sources and it will fundamentally damage human life if they get it wrong and it fundam it does damage human life when they get it wrong so uh, you for every megawatt hour and that's just a grid number that we throw out for every megawatt hour of blackout three lives are lost on average in the west so energy and energy stability is fundamental for human life. So when we talk about the sustainability of bitcoin mining, we're incentivized to use as much energy to test as many different energy sources as possible and give them the best kind of test which is baseload 24/7 7 days a week can this thing be useful for humankind. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. We have a brand new podcast. Visit myprivacy.help to subscribe. Did you know you can completely control your personal information without relying on a third party? Faris, Gordon and industry experts explain how you can reclaim control of your data, your privacy, your life. Visit myprivacy.help. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Basics Podcast. You are here with Ferris and Gordon. Today's date of recording is the 5th of June, 2023. The price of Bitcoin is $26,825. That will get you 3,700 Satoshis per dollar. And Gordon, how are you doing today? Good, thanks, mate. And uh, we had a fascinating interview with Daniel um, from hash x slash AFI, but we'll explain that in a second. And we have interviewed a few people before in regards to mining, but I think you will really appreciate this one um, in terms of basically accessibility and, and how Bitcoin mining obviously is for institutions and large companies, but it's for individuals as well. So um, if you've got Bitcoin, whether you've got it or not, um, have a listen to this interview because I think you'll find that it's really going to the next level of, okay, I've got some Bitcoin, but what can I do with it? You know, I'm just sort of huddling it in my cold storage wallet or whatever. I could go to, um, what's that company, Faris, that offers 8% interest? On, I think we're all gone Bitcoin. by now, aren't they, dude? Yeah, they're probably all bankrupt. So, so yeah. don't do that anyway. Um, this is really a, a great way to earn some passive income on the Bitcoin you've already got and a private way to do it soon. But, um, we can just, um, go to the interview. But Faris, what did you think? I saw Daniel speak at Bitcoin Alive conference in Sydney and he explained mining Bitcoin in a short time exceptionally well. And he does it here too. Um, he explains, yeah, he, he just explains it simply and succinctly. And, um, I've assumed after his presentation, I just made sure to meet him, introduce myself to him. And, um, yeah, here, here we are today. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention in the intro is our block height, 792,926. So we're closing on 800,000 blocks in Bitcoin guys, not far off a million. But anyways, without further ado, we're going to leave it to Daniel, who is, from AFI, which is Australian Fintech Infrastructure, and he's going to talk to us about Bitcoin mining. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. All right. Thank you for joining us, Daniel. Now, I just want to say, um, yeah, it was great meeting you at Bitcoin Alive in Sydney and awesome to, to have you on the show. Um, now, tell us what is it that you do because you are into Bitcoin mining, which you know, um, is still around, apparently still going well. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, your Bitcoin origin story and what you're up to today. That sounds amazing. Yeah, no, true, uh, contrary to popular belief, um, Bitcoin mining didn't die. Um, thanks to FTX. Um, it still is around live and kicking. Um, yeah, amazing event, Bitcoin live. It was a pleasure. Met so many people there. It was kind of a blur of a day. Um, but I'm Daniel. I'm really into Bitcoin mining. Um, I got into mining really early on but not in a huge way uh so back in must have been 2011 or 2012 i turned my gpu over to mine uh my bitcoin uh back in just as kind of gpus were losing their profitability so probably probably only mined about 0.1 of a bitcoin so i wasn't one of those cool people that ended up with you know 50 or 100 bitcoin in my wallet um and then I forgot about Bitcoin for honestly for a few years. I got busy building a traditional business in the software space. Um, got uh, busy learning the world of um, you know the, the world of a let's call it a tradfi or a fiat based uh, business. And then um, after a rather crunching uh, lawsuit that brought that to an end uh, in 2017. I really began to relook at crypto and uh, obviously bought shit coins because everyone did back in 2017. And then over, over a process, probably of about 12 months, realized that uh, Bitcoin honestly was where the real value is in the whole market. Um, and then uh, I began to look at ways of maximizing, you know, obviously my current savings account, which is when in 29, uh, 2018, sorry, I bought my first mining rig. Um, and then from there began to really go super deep down the rabbit hole of getting orange pilled, working out, you know, where the value is, um, how we're revolutionizing money. Um, but more than that, I kind of got addicted to this magical thing called Bitcoin mining, which was turning energy into Bitcoin. And so for me, that's always made so much sense. And one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about proof of work is that it's, it, Bitcoin for me isn't a very magical, ethereal thing. It's a very grounded, very real thing. Like I can show you rooms and show you hot, sweaty chambers where where the Bitcoin is being made and where it's going on. So for me, um, I come at Bitcoin from this perspective. It's almost a physical thing that we get to digitally transform around the globe. So that's a little bit of my my Bitcoin backstory. Um Today, I work as the head of sales um, for a uh, kind of a new venture called AFI or Australian Fintech Infrastructure. So we're building out large scale mining operations in partnership with a couple of the major manufacturers uh, in South Australia. So there's a lot of really cool opportunity. I'm sure we'll get into it um, around the renewable uh, uh, transition to renewable energy, but also um, that kind of leaves a lot of opportunity on the table um, for energy and especially contrary to popular belief, energy opportunity here in Australia and in the Southern hemisphere. So that's what I'm doing today. Sorry, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non-tech guys are just going to jump in very quickly. Um, 
Yeah, very keen to get into that. Just for our non-tech savvy, have to comb your hair to go to work audience, what does nice. GPU stand for? Oh, that's a graphics processing unit. So that's your graphics card. That's yep. the thing that you use to play Call of Duty and Fortnite. Yeah, and that's and the same you, graphics card that people needed to use to mine Bitcoin. It's the same. This is why, like, shares of NVIDIA just went insane. Exactly. So um, the progression for for Bitcoin was that um, originally in the Bitcoin white paper, Satoshi mentions one CPU, one vote. So the first mining happened on a CPU, which is really, really, it's the oldest form of computing um, as we would as we would recognize it today. Um, so that every every computer, whether it's a Windows or a Mac, um, has a CPU. So that was the original idea. And then people worked out it was really efficient to start mining it on the graphics card of the computer. So they built some different code and ran it through the graphics card. And then some really, really smart people thought, hang on, we can just get rid of all of the extra bits of silicon that we don't need. And we can make what's called an ASIC or an application specific integrated circuit. And so today what we have is we have these ludicrously efficient ASIC miners that are, are probably a million times more efficient at mining Bitcoin than the original CPU in your laptop um, that Satoshi would have been would have been mining on. So this is something we've yeah. covered before, Daniel, but I, I saw your presentation at Bitcoin a lot and I thought you explained it extremely well. So I wanted to get you to do it again. So thank you. Oh no, that's that's all not a problem. So the, the amateur will now sit in the corner. Sorry, Gordon, you take over. Well, we'll get into how Bitcoin's killing babies and boiling oceans in a minute. I heard that too. But before, yeah. but before we get there, um, two questions. One, were you merge mining Namecoin back in 2012 and how much Dogecoin did you mine? And uh, two, you mentioned this proof of work stuff and we have done plenty of um, podcasts about Bitcoin mining, but I think it's worth revisiting. Could you give us a 39-word explanation of proof of work and how that relates to Bitcoin mining and why why Bitcoin mining? Why are you excited about Bitcoin mining? Why don't you just um, give a blood sample to Coinbase and buy Bitcoin there? <laughs> awesome. Um, so I want to claim this right now, and, and you can check my blockchain history. Um, I have actually never mo- uh, never mined or merge mined uh, the meme coin. And actually, the, the, only, the only coin that I have mined other than Bitcoin is Ethereum, uh, because when I got back into it, I was also running a gaming PC company. So I had lots of those graphics processing units hanging around. Um, but I converted it all instantly to Bitcoin because that's where the real value was. Um, so what is proof of work in 39 words? Let's see if I can get there. <laughs> so, uh, it, in, initially let's, let's just use the word cryptocurrency, um, back to its purest, purest form. What does that word really mean? That means it's a currency based on cryptography. So it's in the name. Cryptography is a special kind of maths. That's used to make things secret or it's used to protect things. So Bitcoin is the true cryptocurrency. So it requires a special kind of maths to protect it and keep it safe from all vectors of attack. And it does this through a method called proof of work, which means that there are computers all around the world guessing the answer to a cryptographic question. 
So I like to explain it to people like this at a very, very basic level. The Bitcoin mining network creates a big cloud of maths. And in that cloud of maths is the correct answer to confirm the block, to confirm the next block. So thanks to the big cloud of maths, it becomes really impossible nigh like almost the same chance of you just trying to reach up and pick some moon dust up with your two fingers for Bitcoin to become hacked or to become unlocked or to become unsecure in any way. So this incentive to mine creates so much uh, difficulty, computationally speaking, that it becomes incredibly unlikely. I, I call it nigh on impossible for anyone to crack any one transaction or any one private key on the Bitcoin network. So in a real simple terms, the more computing, the more power there is going on into that mining space, the more secure Bitcoin becomes, the more unlikely um, a vector of attack comes. I recently described it as Bitcoin is performing a reverse hack on itself every 10 minutes. And by reverse hacking itself, it incentivizes people to constantly keep the network secure. So forward hacking doesn't work anymore. You can't brute force attack. I might have got a little bit. It might have got a little bit no, complex there. No, that, no that was that's really all good. good. And yeah. we've talked about proof of work, and we even did an episode on proof of work versus proof of stake. So we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but going back to your passion of Bitcoin mining, and don't worry, I've mined all sorts of coins. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 guilty um, of that as well. But uh, why Bitcoin mining? So, for example, if someone has ten thousand dollars why wouldn't they just go into exchange buy ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin instead of going through all this proof of work to buy machines Mm -hmm. to buy whatever to produce bitcoins that seems like a hassle yeah no that's that's a fantastic question so that's the um let's call it the investment case for bitcoin mining so i like to think of bitcoin mining as locking bitcoin up because let's be honest, you could take that $10,000 and go and buy $10,000 worth of Bitcoin today. Um, it'd be about, what, 0.4 of the Bitcoin um, at, at, at today's rate. So what? why would you not take the 0.4 of the Bitcoin? Well, buying a Bitcoin miner is like buying a term deposit on Bitcoin. It's like buying an interest-bearing Bitcoin account because you are getting paid in Bitcoin um, to keep this computer online 24-7, to look after it, to power it, um, and to keep it maintained. And the theory is that over the life of your hardware, you should receive net more Bitcoin than you could have purchased just with your $10,000 today. So that depends on a lot of factors. And uh, actually, to be honest, it's a really great discussion to get into because a lot of people buy a lot of stupidly expensive miners when um, uh, when the going looks really good. They also spend money on stupidly expensive power when the going looks good, only to discover in the middle of a bear market that really high price and that really high power bill mean that it, they may not get their $10,000 worth of Bitcoin back out of their hardware. However, as long as you've done your numbers correctly, and this is um, going back to actually what I spoke about at Bitcoin Live, 
we have a uh, I have a principle which is beware the bear. Make sure your bear market mining plan can survive a you know what happens in a bear market because if it can survive what happens in a bear market, your bull market case will be awesome. It'll be absolutely amazing. So you got ten thousand dollars. If your power price is good enough and you're not overpaying for your machine, you should end up over the course of three years with more Bitcoin and usually a multiple of the amount of Bitcoin um, back into your wallet than you could have spent on a mining machine today. So in some ways, we talk about um, the time value of, of money when it comes to Bitcoin, when it comes, especially when it comes to hodling. So we want to take our value and then lock it up because it's going to be it's going to have a higher purchasing power because of a scarce asset into the future. Well, Bitcoin mining is almost a way of guaranteeing a higher purchasing, um, you know, a higher value into the future. And more than that, it requires the work to keep it going, which is that constant power bill, um, any maintenance that needs to go on, any problems. So the the investment case for Bitcoin is foundationally based on your two key inputs. What's your power price and how much are you paying for your mining rig? And I can absolutely guarantee you that in every market, there is an opportunity where that makes a lot of sense. Um, and as we go into often bear market conditions, the the numbers actually tend to get better in favor of Bitcoin mining, uh, partly because less miners want to buy power. So power often becomes cheaper. There becomes all these all these market opportunities around power. The other side of it is that hardware often becomes cheaper. In fact, not often always becomes cheaper because it's sold on how much Bitcoin it can produce every year. That's how it derives its value. So what we're already beginning to see in the market is a little bit of a tipping point. So the reason for it is honestly those two clear factors. What is your power price and how much are you paying for your mining rigs? So Daniel, when you say overpay for your miner, does that mean you're buying a brand new miner? Um, that's a beast of a machine that in six months or a year's time won't have that competitive advantage or what does that mean? When How can you overpay for a miner? So look, I'll, I'll, again, I'll, I'll probably talk about a few industry industry secrets here, but um, that's okay. So mining rigs um, usually sell at a multiple of their daily revenue. So for instance, if my mining rig is making $20 per day, for instance, um, I, as a retailer, will want to sell it at, let's say, 500 days. So that's a nice, easy number to, to understand. 500 times 20 is $10,000 for that mining rig. So um, if I, as a consumer, am going out to the market and thinking, all right, I'm willing to lock my Bitcoin up for 500 days, and then I'm making more Bitcoin than, than I than I tied up, I would be overpaying if if I go out to the market and then pay 600 days for that revenue. Um, so, for instance, I would then go and pay $12,000 for my equipment when realistically maybe I was targeting, um, you know, 500 days. Again, this this all depends a lot on your cost of power. So the general rule is the more expensive your cost of power is, you have to then become very, very careful about the capital that you expend on your mining rig. So the two are inversely inversely linked. So the lower your cost of electricity, 
you're going to be profitable for a lot longer. Therefore, you can actually afford to, you know, you don't want to, but you can afford to pay the market more for your hardware um, because you're actually, you're going to have less costs over time. So again, when thinking about this clearly, in a bull market, you have to be very, very careful because of course, what what a miner doing $20 per day, if you multiply the Bitcoin price by five, it's now going to be doing $100 per day. That means retailers are going to want to charge more. They, if they're going to sell it at 500 days revenue, um, they're now going to charge $50,000 for that mining rig. So, of course, they, there you might say, well, what risk am I taking? Am I, am I going to get my money back sooner because, it's a, um, you know, because the price might go up? Uh, uh, do we look like we're at the top of the market? Is it going to go down? The general rule is no one really knows. Um, but all I can say is that at the, it's very easy to tell the bottom of a market, um, especially in mining, because people, people almost will give mining rigs away. Um, they almost become e-waste. And so at that, at that point in time, it's a, it's a signal that we're number one, somewhere near the bottom of a price, but also that you can buy miners at quite low multiples of their, of their daily revenue. So what are the dangers of buying a used miner? Say you jump on Amazon or eBay and you want to get yourself a, cause I know you can get for like $250 now. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, there's a, there's a reasonable, um, uh, there's, there's a reasonable amount of risks for it. Um, the basic one is that it doesn't work. It, arri- it arrives and it's dead on arrival. Um, uh, that's where, you know, look, the reputation of the seller, um, maybe the platform that you're buying it through really comes into play. You know, can you, can you get your money back if the worst, if the worst case happens? Um, the other, the other dangers, um, just generally are that your miner might become obsolete. So, we're seeing this less of an issue um, now, partly because with ASICs particularly, they were a new invention in, in 2013 when the earliest ASIC miners really hit the market. And so what we had was we had ASIC miners starting off um, on kind of, let's call it the last generation silicon. And then as the market grew, we saw like the hockey stick growth all the way so it was catching up with Moore's law. So ASIC miners were doubling or trebling their their power almost every six months. So a new miner would come out and it would kind of make everything that was more than a year old completely obsolete. What we're seeing now is that the the, the ASIC miners that are coming out, for instance, are on the very, very latest cutting edge silicon. So now the market has kind of started to come to maturity. So previously, look, if you were thinking of buying a secondhand miner, the big question you'd have in your back of your mind is what is Bitmain going to release next year that would destroy my profitability? Let's just put the, put the difficulty through the roof. Today, that's become less of an issue um, that you can probably buy anything within the last two years and have a reasonable idea that it's, it's not going to be completely destroyed over the next, over the next 12 months. Um, you're just going to follow the incremental decrease in the in the um in in mining returns thanks to difficulty so um those are the two big ones um the the other side of things is um can you fix problems if they go wrong that because that's a big risk if you're not you know let's say 
if you've never fixed a computer, it might not be a good idea for you to try and fix your ASIC mining machine. The ones I can think of off the top of my head. Could be a good way to learn, yeah. though. Yeah, um, no, no, if you want to get hands on, it's 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 yeah. it's a good bit of fun if you treat it like a hobby. I you, oh, mentioned I, I many. Sorry, sorry. sorry, I'll jump in real quick. I did buy a couple with the expectation they weren't going to work. I just wanted to set them up, and they were cheap. Like the cost of postage was more than a minor. Yeah, um, and it was basically that. I just want to see how these things actually work, and they they are loud. As people, people warn you, they're like, like, oh, how loud can it be? Freaking loud. They can be really loud. Yeah, yeah. I I, so, I call them the, yeah. the nuclear air raid siren. <laughs> Yeah. So no, and I did that. I set up a couple just because it was, I thought, I'll just have some fun. So um, they seem to be working, then they're not working, but I am just playing. And that I basically bought it with the intention of, I doubt they'll work, but I just want to play around, see how these things actually work. But yeah, that, that was my experience, and which is why I'm looking at, eh, I'll set up a miner somewhere where I'm not living. I'll get someone to do that for me. Yeah, it's it's the, the, mar- the marriage saving product. <laughs> So you Sorry, mentioned a couple of you mentioned a couple of interesting uh, points, Daniel. Um, yeah, yeah. And we could talk about uh, the uh, computational power of the network, the hashing rate, and price and fluctuations and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, when you're in the middle of a bear market or the bear market sort of bottomed, is a fantastic way to to buy a miner and and get stuck into it. Oh. Um, yeah. So you've got hobbyists, you know, I've, I've dabbled in mining, um, not currently mining, but I have in the past, uh, all the way to these massive, you know, mining farms. Um, you've also mentioned electricity is a profit or not is big. Uh, this is not a trolley question, by the way. No, go for, is, go is Bitcoin mining sustainable? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yes. Um, and. I'll preface, I'll preface my answer with a little bit of, a little bit of philosophy. Um, so in, in human history, every time we've had an incentive to, to generate or to transform energy into usable energy. So whether that was firewood in the cave or coal in the industrial revolution, um, or today wind, gas, solar, hydro, all the forms of energy that we make as a human race. It's always been driven by human development. So we've had to build a city or we've had to have a human settlement or we've required this social need to make our lives better. And with Bitcoin mining, for the first time in human history, we actually have this incentive to generate unlimited energy. So as long as we can keep producing energy cheap enough, we can make a financial gain and humans rely on incentives. Humans, you know, humans, human activity is motivated by economic incentive fundamentally. And so now with Bitcoin mining, because we have a, a capital income attached to a, a, an energy source, we doesn't matter where it is in the world. It can be in the middle of Africa. As long as we can get an internet connection there, we can make money. And so because of that incentive, human beings actually have this, this, this economic incentive to start developing, start exploring, start making energy cheaper, start making it more stable because the longer my miner can be online, the more capital I can make. And so what this is, what this is generating is it's, 
uh, generating a demand even from Bitcoin miners themselves to start to be the first movers in some of this new energy um, technology. So, for instance, a Bitcoin miner isn't a life or death situation. It's a money or no money situation. So that that means that um, we're far more likely to take risks on um, a brand new power generation source. And I can give you an example, for instance, of um, uh, hydrogen energy storage is is one of those ones that I know is going on. It's not a real proven technology yet. Grid operators are a bit wary of it being on the network. They're not quite sure about it. But when Bitcoin miners hear that they have the potential of being able to buy energy um, at three cents per kilowatt hour, 24 hours a day, they jump on it. Because even if they have a problem and you're offline for a couple of days, it's not a big issue. The economic incentive for that is there for us to go and pay whoever is inventing that technology or if it's cheap enough to buy that technology just for the purpose of being online and hashing on the network. Now, the cool side effect of that is is that that proves those technologies. It proves that they work. We do a lot of the R&D on um, can this thing actually support human life? Uh, we begin to put in place the distribution channels. We, and you know, we're incentivizing these companies to scale up production, to drop the cost of, um, you know, the cost of energy for everyone, because we are willing to be the first customer. You know, um, we're willing to try the new thing and we can actually do it without like hurting human life. Now, part of the big problem that we're seeing in the energy industry, um, and obviously being a Bitcoin miner, I have my finger on the energy industry almost more than I have on the Bitcoin market price. Um, Part of the problem we're seeing with this renewable transition is that we're seeing grid systems pushed by regulators and ultimately by politicians and activists into moving our energy economy towards completely unproven energy sources, and it will fundamentally damage human life if they get it wrong. And it fundam- it does damage human life when they get it wrong. So uh, you for every megawatt hour, and that's just a grid number that we throw out, for every megawatt hour of blackout, three lives are lost on average in the West. That's because... Someone at a hospital on life support might die. Um, an old person who needs heat might suffer. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the baby who's born premature, if that hospital loses power, that, that baby loses life. So energy and energy stability is fundamental for human life. So when we talk about the sustainability of Bitcoin mining, we're incentivized to use as much energy to test as many different energy sources as possible and give them the best kind of test, which is baseload 24-7, seven days a week. Can this thing be useful for humankind? Um, so on a, on a very top level answer to your question, absolutely Bitcoin mining is sustainable and it will keep trying to find ways of being sustainable. I, I laugh every time people talk about Bitcoin killing babies <laughs> and boiling oceans, stuff like that, because uh, no. it's just absurd. And, and, and it's the complete opposite. And you summed it up excellently. Bitcoin, not only is it not wasting energy, it's actually driving innovation of all this Absolutely. new technology, you know, the solar and like kind of stuff. And my brother works for one of the, I won't say which one, he works for one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. And they're having an internal debate at the moment 
EVs versus hydrogen power. And um, that's a fascinating debate. But, you know, that debate might go on for like another 10 years and you've got governments yep. around the world, including the one here, that are actually regulating, saying, no, we want EVs. Like they're actually dictating what the technology should be. I mean, you know, you've got a government telling um, corporate environment what technology they should use, which is disastrous. Bitcoin doesn't care. It is actually driving the innovation. Yeah. And I think that point that you just made can't be uh, understated because not only is it not wasting energy, it's actually innovating new sources of better energy. And there is a real chance that Bitcoin could be 100% uh, renewable. Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, the... Uh, Let's, if we go back to the, um, call it the, the, the regulatory environment surrounding fossil fuels anyway, there is no joke and let's say no conspiracy theory, a, a coordinated effort to make fossil fuels incredibly expensive. Um, and it will continue to do so more and more over time. Um, I believe that's, I mean, unless we get a complete revolution in government, which we all hope for. Um, but seems unlikely at this time, government money, or let's call it the fiat printing of money, is going to make some of these renewable technologies more and more and more uh, inexpensive over time. Um, The the amount of government subsidy that's been poured into solar, for instance, um, has has brought the cost of generating a, a megawatt hour of solar down to about a third of, of that, which, you know, of, of what it costs to generate a megawatt hour of coal. Um, and, and so for us as Bitcoin miners, we're just drawn to the incentive structure. It's like, okay, if you're going to artificially make renewable energy so much cheaper, well, we'll go and use renewable energy. We, do, we don't really care. We're drawn to the incentive structure that you put out there. Now, the cool thing about Bitcoin mining, like I said before, is that ultimately we have this uptime demand. Um, we want to be online as much as possible because every minute that we're online, we can turn energy into capital. Um, another thing that I say often is Bitcoin mining is the fastest route between energy and capital. Uh, usually if you generate, you know, a kilowatt hour of energy, you have to send it out down a lot, really, really long wire, send it to a business. The business has to do something productive. They then have to sell their productive thing. They have to then pay their employees and then someone gets some capital back maybe in 25 years time. Um, if you've ever run a business, you know exactly what I mean. But the uh, the thing with Bitcoin mining is we can send the kilowatt hour down the shortest possible cable into some chips and we have our capital in the world's hardest money straight away. Um, and it's, it sounds kind of magical, um, but this is literally what Bitcoin mining is fundamentally after all. And it's willing, it is willing to take those market risks and it's willing to push the envelope in any, in any direction that the incentive structure is created. Um, and I think ultimately you can't outcompete the free market for very long. Um, the, you know, without getting super hyper partisan, hyper political, but you know, the Soviet Union, um, probably the world's most, uh, call it successful form of command economy, only lasted 80 years of pushing against constant market incentives before the market incentives, human desire to better their lives took over. Um, and the whole thing just collapsed because you can't compete with nature for that long. And Bitcoin's Central a force of nature. 
Correct. Uh, Correct. So someone listening to this, they're obviously uh, interested in Bitcoin. Uh, they might have some Bitcoin. They might be like, okay, I'm sort of interested in Bitcoin mining. Let, let's get let's get to where the rubber meets the road. Now, uh, you potentially have a new business venture. Uh, maybe you could go into that. But um, if someone, and in the past, there have been a lot of scams, to be honest. There's been a lot of cloud mm-hmm. mining and all that kind of stuff. So could yeah, you perhaps absolutely. explain um, the difference between a hobbyist miner, just go out and buy a Bitcoin miner today or something, or using your potential... Um, I don't know what the word is. Startup or company? Uh, no, no. So, so yeah. So we're, we're, we're yeah. what we what you would call as a as a hosting provider. Um, uh, though we will actually also obviously be doing um some of our some of our own mining on this on the site as well. I mean, why not? Um, if if the energy cost price is good enough and the capital cost is low enough, you, you know, we're we're gonna make returns. So why wouldn't we do it ourselves? Awesome. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with a hobbyist. The hobbyist miner case. Um, so doing doing mining at home is definitely a little bit more complex than when I first started. Um, you have to take into account the the energy cost, which is going to be your biggest monthly expenditure. So um, I was asked, do you have an energy edge? So do you have some solar? Um, do you maybe have a group buying deal? I know there's some cooperatives I've heard of in Australia who they kind of got together and negotiated a really good price of power um, with with a retailer. Do you have maybe a business that you could tax write off um, certain um, certain power costs if you ran it at maybe the office or something like that? Along with then some other thinking that you have to start thinking about, like how am I going to make it quiet? How am I going to live with the kids and the wife? Um, how am I going to deal with the dog sticking his nose into the fan? Um, uh, do I know someone who can fix it or am I willing to take the time to learn how to fix it? Um, if you, if you answer yes to pretty much all of those questions, um, Hey, buy a mining rig. It's a really cool hobby. Let's go, let's be honest. It's going to potentially make you more money than golf or soccer will, um, you know, as a hobby. Um, however, with most residential mining, um, operations, it's really difficult to justify them as an actual investment. Um, partly because the likelihood is you will return your capital. Um, you may even make a profit, especially, you know, if you've been, been wise with your, with your energy costs. Uh, but they aren't really scalable. I mean, most houses mm-hmm. maybe could have three mining rigs in them. If you had a, a had a three phase system in in most residential systems in the West, um, so let's be honest. Let, if you're really liking the investment and you want to keep pouring capital into it, you're pretty much you're pretty much limited to three mining rigs. Um, so a service like AFI provides. Um, so we provide uh, basically an all-in-one hosting solution. Um, so we have a maintenance team on site. Um, we also have a strategic partner who is pretty much the major manufacturer of, um, I won't mention them by name because they might not like me doing so, but they are the major manufacturer of, of mining hardware um, in the world. So you're very, very close to the source of the actual mining equipment. So therefore we can offer, if not the best, pretty close to the best prices for your capital, of, you know, in, in, in the world. Uh, the flips, the flip side of that is that we've also been able to do a, a really awesome deal, um, with, 
the energy providers in in South Australia who have been looking for an off-ramp for the excess solar that these smaller solar farms are creating. Um, so that means we can probably we can offer about half the price of per kilowatt hour that you would be able to to buy energy from in your own home. Um, so if you take an average uh, here in Australia, we're talking about about uh, 25 cents per kilowatt hour is actually a really, really good rate in some places in Queensland and, and Sydney. Uh, we're talking 35 to 40 cents a kilowatt hour at the moment. Um, so our prices are uh, 12 cents per kilowatt hour. So literally more than half. Um, and if you put that into US dollar terms, we're talking about eight US cents per kilowatt hour. So that's a globally competitive rate. So at, those are usually the levels that only large industrial uh, industrial miners would be able to demand um, from their, you know, from their energy providers. So because of those two factors, what we've done is we've gone out our, our way to create a facility um, that we want to be as transparent as possible. So we'll be sharing a lot of the progress on social media. Um, we also are going to be uh, when the farms all up uh, operating, which should be on July the 1st is our current timeline, although don't hold us to that because <laughs> pro problems do happen when you do big projects. Um, so we're actually going to be arranging a Bitcoin mining tour. Uh, so you, if you're just a tourist and you want to come see a Bitcoin mining farm, turn up in turn up in Adelaide. There'll be a time and a meeting place. You can get on the bus uh we'll we'll give you lunch you can walk around and see all the loud screaming machines and if you have a mining rig at the farm we invite you hey come down come and see it come and touch it um unlike the whole idea of let's say sending capital off somewhere you know overseas we want to kind of flip the whole mentality of bitcoin mining needs to be secret or it needs to kind of somehow be um, you know, safety and anonymity. Actually, to be honest, if everyone is looking at the far, at the same thing very, very closely, this is how Bitcoin works. If everyone's looking at the same information, we can all agree on the same information. So that's, that's kind of how we're really framing up the project is, of course, you know, there still has to be a lock gate and some security cameras because, you know, we not, there isn't, we always need there to be eyes on and we obviously need to know who people are, but we still want to welcome the community who are actually mining into the project. Um, anyway, what that effectively does is that that puts the, out there a mar real market opportunity for people who are actually looking at Bitcoin mining as an investment and as something scalable where they can maybe take part of their hodl and put it into Bitcoin mining. Why? I give people this option. If you believe Bitcoin mining is uh, sorry, if you believe Bitcoin is going to be more valuable in three to five years time, Bitcoin mining at the right price with the right power bill is going to be the most efficient way of increasing that stack. And you can increase it passively. You don't have you know, you don't have to do it uh, and be hands on. You don't have to be the one cleaning the machines. You can have that service all rolled in. You can take advantage of what would be a much, much larger operation, even as a little guy. So with that, Dan, that sounds mm. um, like we've interviewed a couple of people doing something similar, but that's the first time mm. anyone's been invited to actually go and visit the rigs. So just explain to someone who you would be interested in doing this. So I want to buy a rig. It's set up in Adelaide. How do I know that the Bitcoins I'm receiving from fees, from block rewards, how do I know they're going to end up in my wallet? How, how do I verify that? Awesome. Yeah. So um, that's a, a 
a, a super simple one. So every machine um, needs a needs a pool address um, and a wallet address for it to actually mine. So if you were to buy a machine through AFI, you have to provide us with um, your wallet address where, or where you would like your Bitcoin sent. Um, now, if you tap in the pool URL, search your wallet address, you will be able to see at the pool how much hash rate you have, how long it was online for, and that's independent independent of us. So we, you know, we, we if, even if someone online was telling you, hey, no, 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 your rig's definitely online, but you can't see your miner online at the pool. You can independently verify that your miner is online. Um, you can you can mine straight out of a a mining rig straight into a um, um, a a what do you call it a cold storage wallet. You don't you can you can bypass exchanges. And going back to your point, Gordo, earlier about one of the incentives of mining Bitcoin is that you can take KYC uh, capital. Let's call it you know your income, your your business's income, or your savings. And you can use mining to turn it into non-KYC Bitcoin. No one necessarily, we, we, you don't, we don't require KYC documents for the Bitcoin miner itself. No one needs to know what your public wallet address is. Um, the only thing we need to do is be able to configure the Bitcoin to send the miner the coins. Um, and these days, a lot of pool services actually even offer to mask your your wallet address. So sometimes a lot of pools will just ask um, ask us, ask the mining provider um, for the username. Um, so you can set up your own account with a pool using a private email address, using a, um, a public wallet address that you want to keep secure. And all we would see was, let's say, your username. So we'll send it to that pool and that, and that username, and then you can do with the coins uh, what you will from there. So if the Satoshis are going directly to a wallet from the miners, how are you guys making money? So we make we make money um, essentially by being a power company. So we have obviously negotiated a very, very large and rather expensive power contract, uh, which we obviously commit, commit our capital to buy it, um, which I tell you is the, the numbers start to make your eyes water <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> um and so obviously we're able to offer you a really, really good cost of power, um, but we make our money on having a slightly cheaper cost of power. So that's where our that's where our incentive is. So we will send you an invoice once a month for the cost of power. Um, and outside of any any non-warranty repairs, like so sometimes sometimes your miner will maybe let's say break a fan and it'll be outside of the call it 12 month warranty period. Um, so maybe you might have to pay an extra $20, $25 for someone to fix your mining rig um, for a minor repair like that. Um, the only bill you'd ever receive would be the cost of power that you've used. Um, so our our business is essentially selling you the power and the and the right to use our, our facility, which is obviously set up with the whole intention of keeping your miner online as long as possible. So you, you actually mentioned uh, two things. One was privacy. And um, mm. I actually know people who mine Bitcoin at a loss or at least maybe at cost purely mm. to get virgin non-KYC Bitcoin. So I think that as a, you know, most people put that at a footnote. Oh, yeah, by the way, you get virgin Bitcoin. That's actually, That's actually a huge for some point. people. 
yeah, that's probably the main reason why I actually mine. Um, and secondly, Faris, you know, and, and to play devil's advocate, um, there are a lot of companies sort of doing some similar things. As Faris mentioned, we've interviewed some people and I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm just going to list. We have interviewed uh, Gilbert from the Mining Future and uh, Will from SAS Mining. So there are a couple of, um, and obviously there's uh, Compass Mining, which is sort of a, a big one in Huge. the Bitcoin space. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people sort of like, well, how do I know that my miner is actually mining and you guys aren't scamming me and it's not just cloud mining numbers on the screen? You've already gone through that. But yeah, that the fact that you can specify your own wallet address and you can even specify your own mining pool is so important because then you're not trusting you. Oh no, no, we're 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 using our own mining pool and we're you know you'll get paid out whenever we decide to pay you out, sort of thing. So that in itself, if a mining provider allows you to use your own wallet address, that's sort of like we talked about proof of work. That's sort of like proof of miner. Like that's that's the proof of my miners actually actually mining. You know. Well, this is, and, and, and to, to be honest, obviously, we're coming into a relatively mature market. You're right. There are, there are actually, I mean, if you Google mining hosting providers, the, the first page of Google and the second page of Google will probably give you very legitimate companies. So the, these services do exist already out there. Um, partly what we're doing to, to make ourselves unique is we want to add that layer of transparency um and we want to add that layer of being able to to flexibly choose now obviously being a large operation we get some amazing um you know opportunities for partnerships come up so for instance i I won't mention by name yet because we haven't officially announced it um but we've been approached by one of the largest uh pool providers in the world who have offered us an amazing deal on fees um and uh, the potential to use their custom firmware for our mining rigs, which benefits the efficiency of the miner, allows the miner to potentially, um, uh, you know, lower their power bill, um, gives you a lot of like, there, there's a whole lot of real big pros to using their, uh, using their firmware. Um, so we will obviously have an, you know, an incentive because we, we have a partnership with them. They give us kickbacks for, for pointing hash rate at their service. But that means we can pass on the same deal to, to the customer at the end of the day. It's like, hey, if you if you actually mine to our pool or, or mine to, you know, the pool, the pool that we've been given, um, the the potential to earn more Bitcoin compared to you mining to, let's say, another pool where you're paying two and a half, three percent for your fees or, you know, even one and a half percent. We can provide you a lower a lower cost to mine. Um, which is a small fee that everyone will pay, um, regardless of it. So that's, I suppose that's the benefit of coming into a larger ecosystem. At the same time, if you desperately want to use the same pool that you've always used before, we can hold our hands up and say, sure, you know, it's, it's, it's your mining. You own this hardware. You know, this is your, this is your hardware. Yes. You, you know, you've, you obviously signed up to, to leave it at our site for a certain, you know, for a certain number of, uh, months, um, you know, starting from 12 months, um, probably going all the way forward to, to 36 months if you really want to, um, you know, lock up for that long. But ultimately, this is still your piece of piece of equipment. And um, actually, a real another real, I, w- I will mention this because it's it's another really interesting feature. Um, which, when thinking about Bitcoin mining investment, is it's such a really interesting idea. Through through our partnership with the manufacturer um we we're pretty much going to be the first business in the world to offer uh minor backed loans against hardware um 
So, and this is a pretty, pretty kind of crazy idea because essentially this creates um, leverage on Bitcoin mining for, for an individual customer. So you've probably heard about a lot of, you know, let's say large industry, um, industry players being able to, to take out loans against their mining rigs, which caused a whole load of problems because they took out these massive loans at, you know, the bull market prices when miners were $20,000 each. Now the market price of those miners is maybe two and a half thousand dollars each and probably half of that because they're now used. So they're left very underwater. However, when we're making a loan against a new miner at the bottom of the market, there really is the potential both for miner appreciation and Bitcoin appreciation. Um, so some of that, some of that's still TBC, but essentially we will be going to market with the possibility of um, take it, basically taking out an equipment loan for a second miner for every miner you purchase. So for instance, a one-to-one, um, you know, cash to leverage ratio or 50% loan to value ratio, I think in, so- in the, professional finance world. So Daniel, what would be the delay or time frame from when all right, you put you buy your miner to it's up and running and it's you know you can start seeing Satoshi's coming in? Uh not six weeks. <laughs> we'll <laughs> let you know that. Um so we actually want to we want to drive that time down as, as fast as we can. Now obviously there's certain technical restraints. Um once we once the the farm is hundred percent live, uh we're targeting twenty four hours or less. Um, sorry, say that again. Like from the time you actually put your money down to get a miner, it's up and running within, in 24 hours or less. Or less. Uh, we want to, we want to get to the point where it could happen same day or within minutes. So, um, partly, partly with our relationship, we, uh, will already have miners ready to go on the shelf, ready to be, ready to be turned over to you straight away. So the hash rate is there ready to go so you'd be assigned a serial number that's your particular mining rig give us your pool your pool and address details um and then it's on um because obviously we've got an incentive the sooner you start paying your bill the sooner we can you know we can start selling you electricity um so yeah so so this is i think this is this is one thing we really want to do to upend the you know the mining um you know the the hosting industry let's call it that become really user focused which is hey why should we not have miners ready to go um if if you want to come and buy a mining rig and it's there and it's sitting there like it it gets really gray like we should we should have done our planning long enough to have miners waiting for you and the only time that we would expect a customer to wait is if it's really obvious that we're going to do a pre-order so, for instance, um, we are actually going to be opening pre-orders for this first site um, in in South Australia. So there'll be some incentives to help people get on board. Potentially, um, we haven't yet firmly decided whether it's going to be a discount to the capital cost of the miner or it's going to be a discount to the ongoing power cost. Um, we, we're kind of favoring more a discount to the ongoing power cost because that becomes your profitability floor, if, um, as we've already talked about. So you're, you, you'll be able to mine for longer, um, which we think, we think is going to incentivize more people. But it's like the only time you'd have to wait is it's really obvious. It's like, Hey, you're, you're, you're getting a better deal because you're pre buying the hash, you're pre buying the hash rate. You're, you're waiting until that farm, you know, comes online. Once a product is live and it's there and it's sitting on the website. Click a button, pay your money, 
have your minor, that we want to make that process as smooth as possible. Well, it sounds too good to be, it sounds too good to be true, but we've been talking about this yeah. as a team for, for a lot. And it was like, that's our USP, uh, you know, wow. alongside all the other things, you know, we, we want to get, and we want to get, do you market. accept Bitcoin as payment? We will absolutely accept Bitcoin as payment. <laughs> so, so the reason, um, so I've been for, for the last few, um, the last few months, obviously I've been, I've been working and, uh, with a company called HashX, which is obviously how I got the, um, the connection to, to Bitcoin Alive. So AFI is actually a, it's a joint venture between HashX and again, it's all public information, um, uh, between HashX and then a, a, uh, Bitcoin exchange, uh, based in Brisbane called Coinstash. So the partnership with, with the, with the exchange with Coinstash has been really beneficial, um, in the fact that it allows us to accept crypto payments, um, of all, all kinds, because they've already got all of that infrastructure in place. Um, allows us to um, have a lot more um, back-end infrastructure than a standard hosting facility would. So our development has has been really smooth. And then the other side of things is um, they already have the AFSL and the right licensing to be able to offer offer the loan facilities and things like that for people. Um, so obviously, look, there, there is a doxing process that you go through if you want to apply for a loan. Um, but it's, again, you know, it, no one need know that that particular miner is you except you. Um, so the, the, you can still maintain the privacy, the privacy aspect, um, even even for the process of going through a loan. So. So, yeah, so that's how we're able to offer some of the some of the more complicated, um, let's call it features. Um, and partly, look, an exchange, uh, the, the guys, the guys who have come from Coinstash, have been really fantastic because they come from a very user-centric background. It's a very competitive world, the world of exchanges. It's all about how fast is your execution time? How quickly can I get my money in and out? Um, how good is my user experience, you know, when I'm dealing with the platform? And so moving that forward into the mining space, um, why, why shouldn't we disrupt it? You know, look, our, our, our play is by building these amazing uh, infrastructure um options and it's in our name you know australian fintech infrastructure so we want to build the best possible infrastructure for miners utilizing the best possible energy that we can for mining uh and that is our real our real play we're not interested in delaying you you know delaying you being online or anything like that well speaking of waiting i'm still waiting for my butterfly labs miner from back in 2015 so <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm fairly patient. Um, but it makes sense. I mean, it, it's mm. like signing up for email or cloud storage. You know, you don't sign mm. up for it and then you wait three weeks or whatever. It makes sense. And it, it really brings, and you guys are ahead of the game, really brings mining as a service. So we used to, you know, software as a service and platform as a service. And, you know, even 20 mm. years ago, companies were building all their own infrastructure. You'd have a massive yeah. IT department with, you know, a hundred servers. And I used to work for a bank and they had literally 10,000 servers and now they outsource most of it and they yeah. third parties. And I'm actually um, all about self-hosting. So in 99.99% of cases, I want to self-host because I want to own my own data. I don't want to rely on Absolutely. the cloud. But with Bitcoin mining, I'm actually not that that's, that's actually okay. Cause you guys are providing the security, the electricity, everything. Um, and I can use my own wallet. So I'm not, you know, 
um, worried that you guys are going to run away with my farms or anything like that. So in every case, except for Bitcoin mining, um, I'm, uh, I'm all for self-hosting. So it's, yeah. it really is the evolution of this next service mining as a service. I mean, that to me, that makes perfect sense. And, and I, I think that's it is like, look, we, we of course are a Bitcoin mining company. Um, we actually, um, we actually have obviously, um, as part of our, part of our, um, kind of whole strategy, um, a, you know, a part of the farm that will be owned by us, um, you know, that will be, um, you know, assigned to, to AFI. Uh, one of the products, again, that um, the uh, part of the team have been working on really, really heavily and probably come out towards the end of the year is a, um, a like a proper registered unit trust as a as a Bitcoin mining investment trust. Um, so that's designed like squarely aimed at larger, more institutional investors. Um, it's the kind of thing where a super fund would be able to invest in, in Bitcoin mining. So that kind of thing. So if, to do that, obviously we need to have a portion of the farm that actually needs to be our own. So we consider it good enough to put our own capital into, um, the, the, the major play obviously for, for selling the, the kind of parts of the farm that we can to, to smaller investors is obviously to, to build the customer base more broadly rather than rely on one or two more massive customers to spend it. So for us, um, you know, being able to provide one person at a time with a single mining rig um, is, is absolutely awesome. It doesn't really take that more or less staff to run the farm. It's not even more or less management um, on a, at a given level because it's it's your wallet that it's going into. Unfortunately, if you get your wallet address wrong, <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't help you. Um, you know, always use copy and paste and and, and double check before you press send. Um, so it's um, yeah, so it's just a uh, a an important kind of feature that that we think is like look, we think from a customer service perspective. Um, what would what would people ideally like? How can we make it easier for people to get into Bitcoin mining? And how can we make it more of a trusted investment? Uh, because ultimately, I think Bitcoin is an amazing investment. You know, I have I have the majority of my net worth locked up in Bitcoin. I'm pretty much pretty much a single asset guy. Um, I don't own any stocks, don't own any shares, don't own any property. I own Bitcoin. And for me, Bitcoin mining is that. Um, opportunity to compound my Bitcoin wealth over time. Um, so doing that is like, hey, how can I make this the best possible kind of investment for other people? So just a bit of dead horse, we we uh, also have just embarked on a new project, a new podcast called My Privacy. And so for those people who um, who can do it, um, for example, most people you know um, can't install their own Linux server and have a Linux server in the basement, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, for 99.99% of other people, they use cloud storage, you know, whether that's Dropbox Absolutely. or whatever it is. Um, so I see this as sort of the the evolution and that and that's super interesting. So for someone who wants to get started, two, two things. One is you mentioned for your loan uh, product, you'd need some KYC, but forgetting about that for a second, hmm. if someone just wanted to start with one miner, what KYC do they have to go through? And what's the minimum? Um, if someone wants to sign up right now, uh, 
how did they get started? Sure. Um, well, so our website, which is live, is um, ozfintech.com. Uh, um, so that's A-U-S-F-I-N-T-E-C-H.com. Uh, again, they can produce an order. Um, one of our team will one of our team will reach out to to them and um, obviously finalize everything. At the moment, we haven't got card payments working partly because uh, they love to charge glorious fees. So we have to uh, do some do some work and some negotiation there. Um, but that's going to be the main point of point of contact. Um, we are we are um, on all uh, social media now, which is pretty awesome. Um, so we obviously you can reach out to us through messages um, and through um, any DM on any of those. So we've got a team that looks after that. The major pro- the major selling point is that the MOQ is one. Uh, we don't care if you want to come to us and buy a hundred or you want to buy a single unit. Um, the process is going to be the same. Uh, we will get you an invoice. It'll get paid, and then you can upload. You know, give us your your pool details, your your mining address, and or your your pool ID, so that we can know how to configure the machine, and you can start mining. Awesome. For as little as? <laughs> for as little as for as little as the market rate of a Bitcoin mining machine. <laughs> so I, I joke. Um in in general, the um the so the the first farm that we're doing is going to be supplied um exclusively with the uh the Bitmain S19 XP mining machines. Um so they the market price for those is about the six thousand Australian dollar. Um, so call that 4,500 USD uh, mark. So that is really going to be the, the, the entry price um, at this, at this first farm. Um, there is a plan to offer, offer other products as we expand. So we have, we have a pipeline of about 20 megawatts worth of mining over the next, over the next six months. Um, so the, the only thing limiting that at the moment is just the power, um, the power PPA. So we've, the first five megawatts is going live. Um, in the next month or so, so that there is um, that there is roughly just the process of um, starting. So realistically, your MOQ is about about six thousand Australian dollars. Um, Danny, I'm just looking at the site now, and yeah, if you go mm-hmm. to um, buy a miner, it has um, shipped to a different address. Now, is hosting just optional, or if I buy this, I'm actually going to be receiving a miner <laughs> again? We we definitely we definitely have some kinks to work out with the website which is currently under. So the ship the ship two is purely is uh, going to be one address and it's going to be one address only. So hosting definitely is a requirement to to purchase through. Um, again, the pricing is updated live. Um, so obviously some of the some of the prices will have will have changed. So I think as we record this podcast, we're not technically live in pre-order. So what you're getting is to see a little behind the scenes of where we're cool. starting from. Um, so yeah, we have to we have to work out a way of taking uh, partly because it's a obviously we don't control some of the internals of that of that uh, that portal. Um, we need to take work out a way of having ship to is you know a ship to taken out. It's just a billing address that we need. Yeah, cool. Well, there's one ship to address, and that's your mining farm. Correct. Which it'll already be there, so <laughs> so it won't necessarily need the need the shipping. So, um, 
so yeah, so yeah, as I say, foundationally, the the website and social media is where we're really gonna, um, we're obviously really gonna be able to get the right information. Um, obviously at the moment, again, there's just some some kind of dummy details. We've been playing around with a couple of different couple of different products in there. Um, but due, uh, I was gonna say all being well by the by the pro, like by the go live date, you'll literally you'll literally be able to see the one product. Um, be able to provide any of the details that you need. So we obviously do need to take some details um, from a person. I mean, just enough to be able to issue an invoice. Um, so the like, usually it's just a billing address, a name, um, and an email address. Um, but I think also we do require a telephone number to call you. Um, but that's purely because you will actually, at least in, in the early stages, you will actually obviously speak to some someone. You'll have someone at the other end of the phone um, who can who can actually take your inquiries, answer your questions, um, and obviously we will probably have a, a couple of things to confirm with you as well. Awesome. I mean, um, in this day and age of KYC, uh, you got to expect a little bit of. Uh information that you have to give but at the end of the day you're not requiring a photo id or any kind of no that sort of stuff so that's, that's not it again yeah absolutely look so for for the the only time the only time you require id is obviously when you have to um you know when you're basically applying for credits mm. um and that's the that's the only caveat with that the time that we would require photo id um so let's say for the privacy you know for the privacy focused people which is i i 100 understand is actually a big reason to get into Bitcoin, considering the amount of surveillance that there is in our current financial system, um, even yeah, even once it's done so, no one need to know that that serial numbered you know machine is yours, um, and you know that that is your private information, um, and it would be very very difficult, let's say, for an external person uh, to discover that that is your particular machine unless they could somehow discover your your private wallet address. Which I think, as we already discussed, a lot of pool services now offer a, a public address masking service where they can mask it with a with an anonymous username. Um, so there's no way to link it back to you directly, even if you were to you know to, to finance a mining rig. Cool. Um, I was going to ask uh, what happens if the government requires that stuff, but that's going down another rabbit hole. Well, um, look, if the government requires that stuff, I think we'll have a few other problems. On yeah, exactly. Well. Exactly. Um, soup, soup cans and guns, just by that. Um, exactly. Exactly. Now we've, we've gone way over time and we appreciate your time. Uh, so oh, much, no, that's okay. <laughs> is there anything that we should have asked you or anything you want to uh, shill or uh, including <laughs> statements or anything? Yeah, like anything I want to shield. Honestly, if if I can if I can shield Bitcoin mining a, a little bit more, you know, look whether it's you know you come to us, um, you know, to to work out some you know work out a deal, whether it's you go and look into it for yourself and have a miner at home. I actually really encourage people if you can have a miner at home and play around with it as a hobby. It's an amazing hobby, but Bitcoin lives and dies on the health of its mining network. If you took away mining tomorrow. Bitcoin would be valueless. Um, it wouldn't be connected to to the real world and connected to energy. So the fundamental thing I can shill is whatever you are doing, if you are a Bitcoiner, if you are hodling your own Bitcoin, if you don't intend to 
to move that Bitcoin for an extended period of time, really consider Bitcoin mining as a way of compounding that Bitcoin into more. Um, you are doing two things. You're supporting the network and you are almost doubly enforcing your hodling because it's not like you e even have the Bitcoin to get rid of in a real emergency situation. Uh, and I, I can agree with that more. Sorry, Daniel, because we, we yeah, always say D DCA just and the problem is when it's so easy to move Bitcoin around within minutes, the temptation to trade it, to do this and that is there. Whereas if it's a miner that's running somewhere, it is you're treating it like a term deposit. It's just kicking over, kicking over, and you're that's not thinking it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bitcoin. No, no, no. That's that's so awesome. Because again, I think you probably would have heard this from me in Sydney, but Bitcoin mining is DCAing on steroids. It's enforced DCAing. It's uh, you are committing to to be paid um, Bitcoin every day or every minute of every day that you're online. Um, and the cool thing is, is that usually by paying a power bill, you're getting more Bitcoin in return than, than you would normally be able to pay for on an exchange. Remember, the, the, the exchange price of Bitcoin has my markup as a, mining, as a miner. You have to bribe me above the market price of my energy for me to exchange my Bitcoin for your fiat. You have to offer me enough fiat for me to think the deal is worthwhile when you go and buy it on an exchange. And that's the game theory of mining. The game theory of mining is that I can swap a smaller power bill for more Bitcoin every day. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention it's private, uh, non-KYC. Oh, all the other so, features. Yeah, <laughs> uh, added benefits. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Daniel. And we really appreciate your time. Um, if we would be so bold to ask you on again um, and uh, see how you oh. guys are going. And uh, I might pop over to Adelaide for a, um, is it in Adelaide or whereabouts in South Australia? It's actually, it's actually just outside. So it's, it's about an hour outside of Adelaide. So it's right out in the middle of nowhere, like far, far away from any humans to bother um, and any eyesores and, you know, neighbors to complain. So um, it's right at, right out in the country. Um uh, down the down the coast, about uh, do do you know where Kadena is? Um, kind of out towards out towards some of the small country towns. So there's, I think there's going to be a really cool story crop up around this. So I, I would love to come back. You know, maybe in a few months' time mm. when it's all we, I can I can uh, turn turn the camera on with the with the solar farm in my back, and uh, we can have a chat about how it's all going. I can see oh, a new. You know, we've got eco eco tourism. I could see a new Bitcoin mining tourism. You could have. You know, tours of the farm and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, and this is this is part, partly partly where we looked at it is is like actually there's a huge opportunity here to to spread the word of like this is number one an awesome emerging industry while having while having char uh, you know transparency um, and the ability for for people to people to mine profitably. Absolutely, Faris. You got any last questions? No, I know I'm out. That's yeah. I was really impressed with Daniel at Bitcoin Alive because he had to explain mining Bitcoin inside of what eight minutes. <laughs> and I did an incredible <laughs> job, which is why I was keen to have him on. Do you know the, the funny? And I'll, I'll finish on this one. The funny story about that um, that event was I think I um, so I'd been sent an agenda, and I think I'd noted in my head that I had uh, forty minutes. Um, so I obviously. Plan for about 30 minutes of talking and 10 minutes of questions. 
uh, arrive on the day and um, the, the wonderful lady who's organising the speakers lets me know, it's like, so you have about 20 minutes. <laughs> so so suddenly my, my brain, my brain, my preparation went to how much I need to cut out to give people the right idea. So if it communicated across what Bitcoin mining is, um, and and got got that got that across. That was that was really really awesome. So that's that's so encouraging to hear. I definitely thank did. You. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, no worries, mate. Thank you very much for coming on, Daniel. Yeah, we look forward to seeing uh, seeing how you guys progress and um, yeah, keep up to date with us. Not a worry. No, I can't wait. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. It's been fun. Cool. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers, mate. Catch you. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.